Hi, Honeymooners. Natasha and I are coming to a city near you. And we'd love you to come see us and support us doing live stand-up comedy. As for me, I'm going to be going to the Comedy Club on State in Madison this very weekend for five shows. I love that club. I'd love to see you there. I'll also be at the Troubadour for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on May the 12th. That's just one night, one show, just me. But Natasha and I are going to be doing a live Endless Honeymoon podcast taping for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on the 4th of May. Then I'm going to the Punchline in Philadelphia. That's in July. Would love to see you there. I'm going to be going to the Punchline in Sacramento in August. And I'll be going to the DC Improv uh, the weekend before the election, before we figure out what hell we hath wrought. Come see me at any of those dates. Oh, yeah, one more. I'll be at the Bell House in New York on July the 11th. I'd love to see you there, New York City. Natasha, you got anything? Why don't you come see me in Brea? If you live in Orange County, I think that's Orange County. I don't even know, but come to Brea. I'll be there in April. I'll also be at the Chicago Improv in April. And if you can't see me in Chicago, why don't you come to Tempe in May? Tempe, Arizona. I'll also be in Boston, but that's not till October. I think I might take the summer off. Go to NatashaLegeau.com. Or MosheCasher.com. And get some tickets. To see the both of us. And also make sure that you come to our Patreon-supported Dinner party this Sunday. That is on St. Patrick's Day. What else are you doing? It is a dumb holiday. I'm sorry. If you are not yet a member of the tier that gets you into the dinner parties, go ahead and upgrade. Upgrade that. You could downgrade afterwards. I mean, we don't have real rules. Order your corned beef and cabbage from the local pub. DoorDash that shit to your house. Yep. Log on. 6 p.m. Come mess with us. It's a really great way to connect to the community of the Endless Honeymoon podcast and also to connect to your lovely hosts. Welcome to the Endless Honeymoon podcast. Oh, your 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 sound is dour. Your sound is mm. down. I'm back, by the way, from Burning Man. Back from Burning Man. We. <clears throat> I don't know if we should get into the. Um, should we start with the obvious heartbreaking news? Oh, that Mayor Cutie. Um, she passed on to. To the next world where... To the milk bone palace in the sky. I think this was her last time on Earth as a dog. I think next time she's going to get to be like human or something. I... Um, she was so evolved. She, but the thing about a dog is they don't get to eat. What they, they like, they're kind of like indentured. You mean you felt bad for Cutie that she couldn't eat the lobster she so <laughs> deserved? I mean, we'll say this. Like in terms of... Um, that old cliche that a dog takes on the sort of attributes and appearance of their owner. Um, there has never been a more stark example of that than you and Mayor Cutie. I mean, she was, I mean, no offense to you, but a stuck up bitch. And it was, <laughs> she was such a cute stuck up bitch. She was a cu- the cutest of all stuck up bitches. Okay. Not only did Mayor Cutie, um, not only did she have an, uh, an acting career, Right. She has an IMDb page. Has an IMDb page. Had the director's chair with her name on it. Has mm-hmm. been to table reads mm-hmm. and was an an admirable performer. By the way, untrained, an untrained actor. She was sort of like. No, the, I got her some private lessons. You did not. I she did was too. kind of the Dwayne the Never. Rock Johnson of um, <laughs> of comedic dog acting. No, she knew how to jump through a hula hoop. That was for acting. Well, it was yeah. It was all like a party trick. Well, she was because I put it. I got a. I got one of those. Um, service dog vests for her. I and remember so if, you got in a lot of trouble for that. Actually, if they asked me what my, what her service was, I taught her how to 
jump through hoops to entertain children. And they said that was nice. And I did take her to entertain children Wait, sometimes. Wait, how does that qualify her as a service dog? I don't know. She provides a service? That's what you think service dogs are? They provide some service <laughs> to the community? Anyway, <laughs> Natasha um, and I and our child, uh, it was really time. I mean, poor little cutie was just like barely it was not a dignified end you know she was just sort of laying around she was already ready to go peeing everywhere 20 <clears throat> times a day and yeah i know but she still looked so cute and she was hungry she was still hungry so that hunger because obviously she would love to live in a world where she could eat whatever she wanted mm-hmm. but then i just started towards the end feeding her whatever she wanted but then that was activating her so by the time they were like putting her down after 18 years she was kind of like her tail was wagging <laughs> well that's not quite true i mean Anyway, it was really... Because she thought she was going to get more T-bone. There was... You were feeding her T-bone steaks. That's right. We were bringing her 14 plus, 14 plus T-bone steaks a day. That we I had would some leftovers. Order from Denny's. And we would have Denny's delivery, uh, Uber Eats. To, no, that's not true. Um, but something funny did happen. By the way, I just want to say, Mir- a few things. I feel so bad for Blanche now. Her whole pack is gone. I mean, and I feel bad for our listeners too. And I feel bad for us as a family because we started off this podcast and our lives with these three little white chihuahuas. Do you know, this is something that listeners might not know that Blanche, Pablo and Mayor Cutie delivered our rings via, um, via stagecoach. Uh, at our wedding they were trained we trained them put harnesses on them service that's another service my dog could do that's what you should have said to the tsa what what service what kind of service dog is it oh it's a ring delivery dog but we we put little like um edwardian collars on blanche and cutie and a yarmulke on pablo and we harnessed them to a stagecoach and put the rings in it and at the moment that it was time to deliver the rings all of a sudden you, you know like reindeer in finland they, they appeared and, and ran down the aisle and brought us our rings i mean they were a little pack we had a little family and now our family is dwindled down to uh, to just blanche just blanche who's by the way she's here and she is the best of dogs. Well, the day she starts peeing on my wood floors, she's b- getting put down. Come on now. Blanche is like the greatest of dogs, but she doesn't. Have, I love her. She doesn't have the personality that Cutie and Pablo did, but especially Cutie. Cutie was like, you know, who you know, Joan Crawford. That was her energy. She had dog energy of a Crawford, you know, whereas Blanche has dog energy more of like a Blanche from the Golden Girls or, or like a kind of a folksy kind of a folksy farm man as opposed to like an aristocrat you know blanche would like be on welfare and like natasha, what natasha <laughs> natasha you are so problematic no like you know with curl like have you ever i have i've had friends who like watched game shows in the day you think that's what well like a welfare <laughs> mama what are you ronald reagan Weren't you raised on welfare? Listen. I was raised on welfare. I am just saying when I look at Blanche, I think this? of like a 1980s woman mm-hmm. in her like um, muumu watching Wheel of Fortune and, and like Could smoking a cigarette with curlers in her hair. All that would have been perfect without the welfare <laughs> slam to the most impoverished people in our nation. Moshe, okay, I'm sorry. I was just like using a dumb term, well, a cartoon term for the dog. It hits close to home. I was raised on food stamps and SSI checks and the fact that you disparage people that are at the bottom of the economic ladder well it's just your choice but you know what it's actually very fitting because you know who would have been who i think probably would have been incredibly economically classist Hmm. mayor cutie if she had an understanding of the economic uh, underpinnings of this nation she would have definitely been a trickle-down economics person um but here 
here and Pablo is one of those people oh, that you had to jail, like pa- that Pablo Reagan, a, like for sure, was going like, to prison when Reagan, like, um, took all the people out of the insane out asylums the and put them in jail. That yeah, would have been Pablo, hundred percent. No, Pablo was definitely a three strikes dog. Um, but but we don't have to reminisce on our dogs, honey. No, we can't. Well, we should tell the story of what actually happened during the uh the the because there was one funny moment that occurred. It was very intense. It was very uh, intense. We we lit a bunch of candles and put a bunch of pictures of little cutie around and put we, her in our arms. We were arms. able to do it in the home because and, I found someone. And you know what was nice was um yeah she found someone with a twenty two that just showed up and just <laughs> took her out back and pop pop. No, it was a vet that came. <laughs> he does three shots. Yeah. Well, actually, I was reading online when Pablo was really sick. Like, what's the most humane way to put a dog down? And everybody says, well, not everybody, but every like person that kind of knows every country boy says by far the most humane thing is to shoot them but nobody has what this, nobody because no, because then when you're dying you're getting startled no you aren't you it's know instant. what though i think like if you believe in reincarnation to get shot I, into your next you're immediately life, dead i know but Immediate, it's such like, a star it's like how it's how like there is no startle you die you're bloop you're like oh look grass i'm gonna shit on that bloop that's that's sort of the idea. But all right, well, what happened with Cutie is I held her in my arms and he did the first shot and she finally, for like five whole minutes, was purring in my arms, right, she which relaxed. she hadn't done because she was in, in pain. two years. Her hips were like in pain. Mm. She was uncomfortable. She, was she didn't like to be pet. Constantly pacing and her teeth were all falling out. She was just not a comfortable dog. And then and then in that moment she relaxed. And one thing I noticed was that our child Adolf was um, <laughs> was uh, was being super obnoxious. And she wanted the attention. She wanted the attention. And at first I was just like getting mad. And then I started to realize that she's being like emotion. Her emotional bandwidth was maxing out. Like she's too young to process the fact that someone she loves is dying like right in front of her. And so she was just, it it had, it had exceeded her ability to roll with it and to, and to, and to, so I was, what I was really focused on was like allowing you because cutie was, I mean, I loved cutie, but she was primarily your dog. And did I cry? Yeah, I might've cried. Right, she was definitely your dog for no, eight know, years, and you fed her and no, gave her, was, her medicine. She was my dog for sure, but in the way that Pablo was my dog, she was your dog. You know what I'm saying? You'd be a bad. T- don't adopt a kid. All I'm saying, you'd be is, like, technically, you're not my child. No, all I'm saying is that really, she was like primarily your dog. She was like your your. Everybody gets one of those dogs in their life. Where it's like their heart, their like heart companion, and I felt like that's what Cutie was for you. Oh, and I hope she comes back. She'll be back. Don't don't you worry. Actually, she's one of the callers today, but um. <laughs> But but oh my god, is that possible? Well, what was crazy was that when we put the first shot in her, she started speaking and she said, "No, <laughs> no, that didn't happen." But no, this is what happened. Our child was being super obnoxious, and at first, I just kept saying to her, "Like, let mom have this experience. Like, don't, don't let her be sad. Let her experience." I know she was poking Cutie's eyes, and yeah, I was, was just, just like, "I don't want her to go like have her last gasp be, be like a five year old poking her in the eye." I'll tell you what. Uh, one thing Cutie will not miss is our child. Like she, that was the. <laughs> Definitely not. Like we were talking to another family last night, and they were like, "We don't have one picture of our child without L- L- Rudolph or whatever their name was." And I go, "I don't think we have a one picture with our dog n- next to our child because oh, they were saying they, every single picture the kid right. loves the dog, and the dog loves the kid, and like put its paw on it. Like our dogs, I think that's a big dog thing that they can figure out how to love little kids. Our dogs are all small, and they do not want. I mean, Blanche is the most pliant." passive dog on earth and she will sort of deal with her kid but but cutie wanted fucking nothing to do with her anyway she's poking her she's poking you she's going are you crying are you crying haha jumping up and down it's like really annoying and then 
the vet puts the first shot into cutie to like relax her and she relaxes in her arms and she's purring and we're both crying and and our child is trying to be with the emotional moment and then he goes to put the second shot in which is like sort of like the point of no return shot and by the way i should also say the primary difficulty we were having with cutie was is she ready we kept going like tiffany had us she ready question mark (laughs) and we kept going back and forth like we would schedule the vet like oh i think it's time and then we would call the vet and go like no she's not ready she just ate nine scrambled eggs exactly and so finally, when we decided she was ready, the vet comes over, everything's happening, gives her the first shot, she chills out, gives her the second shot. It's going in. And our child looks up, and what does she say? She said, Mom, I don't think she's ready. She doesn't think she's re- It's too late! It was like the worst <laughs> possible thing you could say in that moment. It was so actually hilarious. Like, it was, it, I, it made me laugh in, in a moment where I was crying. So that was sort of nice that level of inappropriateness. But I do think she was ready, Tosh. I really do. I know I was ready because she wandered away when the vet came and I found her in the kitchen peeing on the floor again. Yeah. Hey, on the wood floor. Like, I can't. This was spooky. I'll tell and then you. my friend, can I say one more thing? Sure. My breaking point was my friend came over and she was like, your house smells like pee. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was getting rough around here. Um. There was one more uh, crazy thing. This is sort of freaky, and then we can talk about Burning Man. But um, the one really spooky thing, sort of, was like we were feeding Cutie steak, and Blanche came over and was like trying to steal the steak, very typical. And then all of a sudden, when the vet got, like, it was sort of intermixed. When the vet got there, she's, I don't know, she sort of disappeared. And then she we, like disassociated. Well, we realized <laughs> while we were putting her down, like, oh, we, you said, Oh, Blanche didn't get to say goodbye. Although I don't know how a dog would say goodbye. Sniff it. By post. <laughs> My dearest Mayor Cutie. It has been too long since last we met. But Oh, actually, Blanche could be Foghorn Leghorn, too, if she wanted to. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So, But I look over, and, and, and Blanche is looking off. She's sitting at the furthest point away in the house, in the room, looking off into the window. Not She's like very deliberately not looking at us and Cutie. And I go, I call to her. I'm like, Blanche, come here. And she always comes when I call and she wouldn't come. And I just, it felt kind of like, oh, she knows that her sister is dying and doesn't want, she doesn't want anything to do with this. It felt really, uh, not supernatural, but like, uh, like she had an awareness that there was death in the room. It was really intense. Well, you know what they say. What's that? They, I don't know. Don't they say something about how dogs know a lot? Yeah, the, you know what they say, dogs know a lot. That's the old classic chestnut, dogs know a lot. Well, dogs are great. They increase your life 30% at least. I think we might get a big one next. And if you get a bad one, they make your life 30% worse, though. That's true. That is very true. Poor old Blanche. Now she's it's just down to one. It's just us and Blanche. I brought her into bed with us that night. You act like we're, we're not going to get another chihuahua in eight days. I want to get a big dog that will protect our family. Well, let's talk about that offline. Well, here's the thing. I know that our family needs protection because of the... Uh, because I've been through... I've been through some shit lately. I've been through some survival shit. And now it made me really realize how important um, surviving is. Well, Moshe just got back from Burning Man. Yeah. And it was a harrowing experience. I was getting a lot of texts from people. Are you okay? Because CNN.com was like, Biden has been briefed on the Burning Man situation. <laughs> I, I, they briefed Biden on the fact that there was some rain at Burning Man. Like, what the fuck was everybody on about? It was so not a big deal. 
there was one huge negative from the rain. There was one actual crazy negative, but primarily the experience that I had was a, a minor inconvenience that was sort of fun, actually. What if you didn't have an RV like you? What if you were if, in a tent? If you were in, in a mud? tent, life. I I imagine life was pretty fucking rough. I imagine it that sounds horrible, but it still wasn't a crisis of life or death. It was like on some this sucks shit. I mean, yeah, definitely. It was on some this sucks shit. But what I mean, they were reporting on it like it was fucking Hurricane Katrina. And it was in fact, what it was, was it was like, you know, uh, Woodstock 99 or every <laughs> single Glastonbury. It was just like people were pouring through the mud. There was a lot of um, tips being bandied about about best practices on how to walk in mud. We uh, the, the the conventional wisdom was was uh, was bag No sock bag sock. That's how most people are getting around. Sock, plastic bag, sock. Because... Sock, bag, sock. And sock, then bag, sock. I thought that this experience from the news coverage, from me reading it, would cure Moshe of his... Unfortunately. But he came back and said he had a great time. It and was fun. I told him, if you're over 40 and you're having fun like that in the mud... That's good? You're special. Special good? It's just special, honey. The the other thing that was so funny to me was everybody was freaking out and all these people. I mean, I know people hate Burning Man. Obviously, I'm not dumb. I've been going for two decades. I know how <laughs> he's much, been living with me. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. And I mean, obviously, people love to hate on Burning Man. I thought most of what was happening online and the Alarmist was like Schadenfreude. Like, was people going? Like, oh my god! No, it was. Oh, oh, Schadenfreude. Like, like they're happy that other people are ha- being miserable. What I German, thought that they what were. What German word did you think I was I using? I thought it was the one where um, you wished you were there. No, 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 no. It was like, finally, these fucking dumb, hippie, white, privileged idiots are getting their comeuppance. And I hate to break it to you, but we weren't because we need a word for that because Burning Man people, they want something like that to happen. Everybody was like, oh, these these rich people cosplaying as as poor people. That's not what's happening. They're rich people. They're soft people cosplaying as survivalists. So they were waiting for something to happen that would prove to them that all of their fake survival skills that they developed over Two, you know, two decades of going to raves in the desert would would finally pan out, and they got what they wanted. They're like, like everybody's like, "What about the water?" I'm like, the famous thing about Burning Man is you bring all your water. They're like, "Well, what about the mud?" These people are born of mud. These are mud people. These are classic mud people. So we all had a good time. There was one and only one real true negative that I realized, which is what. Well, as I was walking through Burning Man this year, my primary experience was I was looking around at all the fun I was having and I was going, okay, this next year is the year that I'm going to make a full court press in convincing Natasha to let me bring Adolf, our <laughs> child, to the to the playa. I was like, she would have so much fucking fun and I would have so much fun with her. This is gonna this is so, so awesome. Lucky. I'm gonna stay at Kidsville next year. I'm gonna I, I like I got it all worked out. And as I finally had my full argument planned, mm. the heavens opened up and a mud pit swallowed the, the event whole. And I thought Thank you God. <laughs> I thought I think I may have been set back a few years in convincing Natasha to let me bring our child. Also, some some woman was going viral because people were making fun of her for taking her kid to Burning Man. Yeah, I know, which is so funny because they've been bringing kids to Burning Man for two for the whole time. Why did this particular woman because get into the ire of the online community? Because it's risky to bring a kid there because things like this happen. Sometimes it's like 110 degrees and like no air. Sometimes it's like no air. Wait, hold on, freezing. hold on, hold on. No air. I'm just saying it's 110 it's like, degrees and the oxygen leaves. It's just like. <laughs> Are you not aware that children... No breeze, okay? Are you not aware that children live swamp in Phoenix, land. Arizona? So it feels like a swamp. Have you noticed that, that kids it's live... It's a swamp. 
It's not a swamp. You're it's not a desert. To bring it's kids literally there. a desert. It's an uninhabitable ground that is prone if, to weird things happening. Therefore, don't bring a toddler. But it's also and a, not to mention it's a drug party and loud uh, music crowds. Oh, not loud music and drug party. What you? What are you a fucking cop? What are you, a narc? Motion, no one's on your side right now. That's not true. There's a place called Kidsville. It's a ville of kids. There's a village of children. Yeah, and a ville of bad parents. Every person that brought their kid is a bad parent. Is that what you're saying? No. Isn't I'm, that a of little course not. redactive? No, of course not. But I'm just saying it's like. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's not. It's, Here's it the might Peter be Thiel. their style. Here's it's the Peter Thiel. I'm not asking you to come. It's my style. My style. No, here's the teal. Here's a Peter Teal. Okay. I was talking to somebody there, um, actually, about, and he'd been going to festivals since he was a little kid. And he's like, I am like, so, and he's a really responsible adult. And he was like, I'm so grateful that my parents exposed me to that because it made me feel like a more open minded, more interesting kid. Like, that is the reason you bring the kid. It's not because it's um, a controlled environment or as, 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 uh, I don't want to even use the word safe, but as like um, sort of uh, hospital corners, as like um, uh, a an amusement park in your local town or or a municipal park. Yes, it's a little bit more extreme of an experience in those things. But the reason you do it is that you expose your kid not to drugs, because obviously you're not like bringing them into the rave camp at 2 a.m. on a Saturday. You expose them to different and interesting cultural experiences in the hopes that they become a more interesting person. Okay, can I refute that you can try i think there are plenty of ways to make your children interesting and open-minded of course there that are. are like don't have such a high risk factor what is the like risk a edm factor? well i just don't think toddlers EDM is the risk are no i just don't think toddlers belong at like she's like, not a toddler and she won't be next year for sure well, you know, I'm just going to save that mud footage on my phone and let's talk about it in about 11 months. <laughs> All right. It's a deal. Natasha, I love you. I'm glad I'm back and uh, I missed you guys and I really miss Mayor Cutie and, and she will be in our hearts forever. Agree. Okay. Well, let's take a call. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. What you been sleeping on? I'm a Helix only type of gal. We're a Helix only couple. And in fact, if you got kids, they got a kids mattress so you can be a Helix only family. The kids mattress is firmer for kids three to seven on one side to give them that spinal support that they need to aid them growing bodies. And, and then it's softer for kids eight to 12 to offer a more comforting feel kids prefer as they grow up. They also have kid focused features like antimicrobial shields. Hypo- That's for pee pee. Hypoallergenic cover. Also for pee-pee. Water and stain resistant. Third thing for pee-pee. Tested and approved by kids, adult professionals, and parenting publications everywhere. Now, Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own house. We've slept on it for years and we love it, but... They'll offer you a 100-night guarantee trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty for you and your child to try out your new Helix mattresses. If you don't like it, send it back. But you won't because you're going to love it. And right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders, including the Helix Kids Mattress and two free pillows. Love those pillows. They match perfectly. Those are always my two pillows I put right in front to make the whole bed look like a magazine so go to helixsleep.com slash honeymoon this is their best offer yet and it won't last long with helix better be- sleep starts now that's what i was gonna say before we get started 
uh, on our call. I just want to shout out. I know people are probably looking at me right now going, damn, dude, you look dope. And that's true. Uh, I just want to say that my shirt is by none other than Dandy Del Mar. And my pants were provided to me by Outlier NYC. Both super high quality, awesome clothes. And they sent them to me to rock on the podcast. Thank you, guys. It does look pretty good on you. Thank you, dear. All right. Our first call is... Whoa. I was not prepared for this. I actually don't know how to pronounce either one of these words. Okay. It's Zoe. It could be Zoe. No, it's Zoe. from Calling to... Calling from... Marseille. I believe that's right. I think I got it right. Marseille, France. Oh, in France. Okay. Mar- Marseille? All right, let's find out if Zoe agrees with me. Now, I wonder if or Zoe... Or Zoe is- in Marsalis. Zoe. Zoe. Hello. Oh, thank God. I was That accent makes me feel so comfortable because <laughs> the name of your town made me feel very uncomfortable and we said Marseille. Did we get it right? Marseille, correct. Oh my God, I fucking nailed it. And you know why I was able to do that culturally? Why, honey? Because of my experience at Burning Man. It turned me into a more open-minded person All right. with a cultural competency that cannot be matched. And your feet are doing okay? <laughs> my feet are fine. Thank you for asking. It goes sock. Sock, bag, sock. Bag, sock. That was the... And then the, you trudge in the mud for four miles. Right. And, and by the way... come home and say you had a great time. P.S. Zoe, with that condescending question, it's not like Marseille <laughs> never had any experience with trench foot. Wasn't that like a front line in World War One? I? I mean, you guys invented it. I guess I, I could agree with you there. Yeah. So you know what? And by the way, experiencing the mud at um, Burning Man, I knew exactly what the soldiers of World War One had experienced. I, I knew exactly, I, I would say beat for beat, it was the same experience. You healed your ancestral lineage. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my, my intergenerational trauma had finally been healed. Um, first, I wanted to say my condolences for Mayor Cutie. Oh, thank I'm you. Sorry for your loss. Thank you. Can you do it without laughing? <laughs> no, <laughs> but she's a true icon. She was an icon. I agree. You're she so was, right. She was so meant to be like catapulted into. Um, you know what? Actually, she because she loved it. That's the thing. Like she loved attention. Hold on a moment. You keep talking to Zoe. I just had a realization. Something needs to change in this podcast. C- c- carry on. Did you get her taxidermied for me, honey? Because I, I think I would like that. You know, it's funny though, Zoe. Have you ever put a dog down? No, my parents never let us get a dog. Oh, well, at one point, at one point, they put a like a pee pad underneath her when she was in my arms. And then when they gave the final shot, all of a sudden, when she, she kind of rolled off the pee pad a little bit and you could just tell it was like and then I got so grossed out. I was like, Moshe, can you deal with this? And I ran out of the room like they become you got like grossed out? I thought you were emotionally overwhelmed. You were just uh, scared of pee. No, not pee. It was like a. It was like a cadaver. It, it she was. just became like a fur cadaver. It so was I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if I would want um, taxidermy. Not playing. Mm. Oh, it's too reflective. You can't go like that. No, we can. We can. We can cheat it out. Really, this isn't. Do you see this, Zoe? I uh, before when you tilted it down, I saw it better. This is a, t- a portrait of young of young Mary Cutie. How could you reject this, Laura? Because. All right, fine. Listen, just look at her. Oh, you like that? Okay, look at that. There she is. This is Mayor Cutie. Does that work? Look at this, everybody. This is Mayor Cutie. If you can, I don't know if you can see this, but Zoe, as a as a person living in Europe, you'll probably relate to this. This is Mayor Cutie in Venice, Italy, at the turn of the fifteenth century. 
uh, back when she uh, was living as an aristocrat in the Duomo house or whatever. I don't know how. Oh, I know. So I saw this in in when we were in Venice. People were buying pictures like this of a, when there was a dog. And so when we did another period, I asked our art director. I think it was Justin Lieb to do that. And uh, she found someone. I'll miss her. To, uh, to, to recreate the dog painting. But Z- anyway. Zoe, are you still there? Enough. Of yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. It's a beautiful rendering. Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Zoe, how can we help you? And I'll try as much as I can to uh, fight back the tears and help you. We're with you. Thank um, you. So essentially, I was away in August visiting my family. I went back to Chicago and I had a very good friend of mine staying in my apartment. And so I flew back to Paris and I spent the night there and I woke up in the morning with eight calls missed from my friend. So I call him back and on his last night in the apartment, apparently he had left a window open and someone climbed through the window and as he reported it, stole all of his stuff, his laptop, his passport, etc. So of course I'm very empathetic. I can't believe this has happened. Um, I'm on a train back to Marseille that day. And when I get back, I realize that also a lot of my stuff is gone. Like, you know, jewelry, cameras, anything nice designer I had gone, which was not reported to me initially. Um, so, you know, as the day goes on the days, I start to feel quite upset with the carelessness that he could just leave a window open at night and, you know, not take care of my space in the way that I would have wanted him to. And then as I'm kind of like slowly reorganizing, I notice that there's also a lot of random household items that are gone, like a bath mat, a cleaning brush, a candle. Oh, no. There's a Yeah, there's a drawer in the kitchen that won't close. There's a curtain rod falling off. There's blood on the duvet and the pillowcases. Now you know Um, what it's like to be married, okay? (laughs) Yeah, maybe it's just a man. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, this Uh, is, by the way, this is very typical male behavior. You leave them alone in your apartment for eight days. They they rob you blind and bleed on your duvet. (laughs) I think he cooked fish in my air fryer and just didn't clean it out. Oh my my God. God. Can you remind me this is a friend? This is a close friend, someone that I, when I moved here, we were in the same company and we've been really close, almost like family. I think whenever you live abroad, you kind of latch on to someone. So he's he's been a big person in my life for four years. Um, so of course I've lent him my apartment in the past and I expect to come back to a little bit of disorganization, but this kind of was just a toe over the line. Just a toe, right? <laughs> to rob you absolutely all of your belongings gone but and have biohazard on the bed. That's just like a <laughs> toe. That's a toe over. Right. And everything's folded inside out so that I don't realize there's blood oh until my God. I go through it. Um, perhaps the worst offense was that I had been hoarding these shroom capsules for a year <gasps> and he just used all of them without. He ate asking. your shrooms? He ate all the shrooms. I gotta say, now now it's a foot over the line. The fo- the, it's not just a toe. I mean, you know, oh my god! You can rob me. You can bleed all my stuff. But if you take my shrooms in Marseille, Marseille, wherever. So what? Wait, I have a question. So it's almost like you have to ask yourself: Should you say something to him, 
Or should you just like no. even be friends with someone who, who acts like this? Well, I have a more fundamental question. What do you think actually happened? This doesn't, this sounds fishy. I mean, literally, but also. Oh yeah. Like, do you think he stole from you? Did he rob you? We've definitely gone through, you know, the friends I've talked with, we've gone through many different iterations of what could have happened. But I do believe that someone did come through the window, especially because he's the one that said there is a camera across the way from your apartment. Oh, oh my so- God. I know what happened. I know what happened. I just figured okay. it out. What? Well, I was about to ask a question. Wait, does this guy do drugs? And then I realized he stole your drugs. So the <laughs> question has been answered. <laughs> What happened is this guy does drugs and he brought a bunch of sketchy Marseille French ass drug yeah. people over and they, they fucking turned him upside down. They jacked his ass and, yeah. and he was too embarrassed to tell you what really happened. That's clearly what went down. These French ass drug people were like, do you have any fish? And they made <laughs> a fish dinner in your air fryer, took your mushrooms, stole your shit and beat the shit out of him. But here's the thing. His lack of judgment and you're not his mom has now forbidden him from ever being a house guest to you again. Or your friend. I I don't know if you have to cut the friendship, but listen, that is something the next time he asks, you can say... Well, he's never going to ask again, is he? Well, okay, so that's the thing. I did message him and I laid out everything. I said, uh, quite honestly, I'm very upset with what happened and also the fact that I'm coming back to my apartment And there's all these things. I don't know if you just decided to throw the bath mat out. Not that the bath mat really matters. No, but that shit drives you crazy. And who wants to order more shit that takes all day long? Even beyond that, the fact that the bath mat's gone, it says so clearly more happened here than he told you. And he decided to frame it as like, I was the victim of the, of a, you know, the crime spree that's sweeping through Marseille, you know, like why not just be honest if some crazy shit went down, why not just be fully honest he's about embarrassed it? And yeah. he took her drug. I mean, taking the drug, did you wait? I'm sorry. Did you ask him if he took your shrooms? I mentioned it in the text and in his response, he did not say anything about the shrooms. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like taking someone, Eating their food, I get it. But like, those are like hard to find there. You know what I mean? What do you do for work? I am a dancer. Okay. If you were a writer, I would say you should forgive him because this just gave you, uh, if you can interview him, it gave you your next story. But the fact that you're not going to turn this into like content, (laughs) I just feel like he's robbed you of so much. I want to hear what else he's saying to you. Yeah. What did he say? Is he a dancer? Uh He's a dancer as well. Oh my God. I'm so, I'm so right. I know what, this is exactly what happened. I already have a full vision of what Moshe said. The fish, the drugs. 100%. Is he gay guy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, this is what happened. Some hot Marseille criminals seduced his ass and he's like, come back to my sick apartment and we can take all these mushrooms. They all came back. He thought he was in a romantic interlude and all of a sudden he was tied up being beaten over your duvet and getting jacked. I mean, it's just so obvious. It, you could have a. It is funny because I wasn't going to mention this, but there is this white powder on my table. And I, <laughs> I mean, this story is getting more intriguing by the second, to be honest. This is amazing. I'm not sure if it's from the curtain rod that's being pulled out of the wall and there's plaster falling down or if it's leftover detritus. Uh huh. I'm going to tell you. You could taste it. Yeah. Why don't you put it on your gums and find out? 
I almost did, but then I was like, it's too early in the day for that. (laughs) For asbestos on your gums. Yeah, he's embarrassed because he thought he was like going to have the most hot night of his life and it actually ended up being the scariest night of his life and he didn't have the gumption to tell you what really went down. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. And listen, whatever happened is irrelevant. No, you're never going to know the truth. Even if he tells you it's not going to be the truth, unless you had video cameras, you're never going to know the truth. So let's move on from that. Second of all is, do you confront someone? He had, he still could have paid someone $200 to come clean your apartment. so true. It's a very, very rude act. That is such a good point. And like, it's, you, you are coming home now to chaos and like, what do you get from this? That is such a good point that even with all your stuff gone, even with all the disrespect, it was possible for him to pay a housekeeper to come clean up, to buy you a new duvet and a bath. You know what I'm saying? And it, it was, there was a world in which you got robbed and your friend said, look, I made some bad calls. I had some bad judgment. This is what happened. Here's the truth. And I did my best to rectify the situation. Even though I don't have the money to give you all your stuff back, I I made this as good as I could. But what he did instead was he ran away, right? This is what it seems like. He just ran away from the problem, made up a story, and left you to deal with it. Yeah, it kind of seemed as if he was like, I thought that we both agreed that this was kind of an unprecedented event, which it is crazy. I agreed with him. But, you know, when I kind of listed out everything else that I saw... He was like, well, you know that I lost a lot too, but I'm willing to pay for some of it, which I don't know. I feel weird asking for money because I know he's broke. I'm broke. It's it's but, a loss. That this reminds me of something very specific in my, in my past. I moved to Israel to go to college um, uh, to do a semester abroad, and I was a DJ at the time. Uh, and I am again now, as everybody knows and is very excited about. But at the, this, was oh, when, this yeah. is when I was very young and I wasn't very, I had moved away from DJing. So I wasn't like as actively involved, but I had my record collection that I, you know, uh, all my vinyl that I'd been co- collecting since the early 90s, since I was like 16. And I was, I guess, probably 21. I had my turntables and they were, you know, it was my collection. I'd been, anyway, I was moving away and I asked this friend of mine uh, who was like, wanted to start DJing. Uh, he's, I said, you can take my records, you can take my turntables and my mixer and just have them and I'll get them when I come back in six months or whatever. So I moved away. I came back. He had disappeared and he was gone. And that was it. I never saw him again. Everything was gone. Ten years later, the guy, he was in AA and he reappeared and he had relapsed and my stuff was gone and he wanted to like make amends to me. And he was like, you know, I'm so sorry uh, that I did that. And is there anything I can do to make it right? And I was like, yeah. You can give me my records back or you can give me the commensurate amount of money for all the records and turntables I lost. And Mm. the look on his face was clearly like, oh, I thought this was supposed to be a I'm just so glad you're doing okay. Thank you for the apology and uh, and move and have a wonderful life situation. And I was like, no, just fucking pay me back. And I never heard from him again. I mean, it, he did this very heartfelt apology. Said, "What can I do to make it right?" I told him exactly what he could do to make it right. But we, but we, she she doesn't have proof that it was his. But my point is, there's something. I'm not saying you should do this. There's something about saying, "Yeah, I'd like you to pay me back." That isn't about the money. That is, in fact, about the responsibility uh, of being your friend. You know, is mm-hmm. uh, uh, where you say, "Yeah, I would like you to pay." Me. I'll tell you what. He doesn't have any money. He'll never pay you back. He definitely won't pay you back. But the but you but it's a very clear and easy test if this guy's a good friend to say, "Yeah, I'd love you to reimburse me for the uh, for the damage in my apartment, uh, or at least partially, at least somewhat." And if he never pays you, what he's saying is not only did some crazy shit go down, but also he doesn't really respect you or your stuff. He actually is just like kind of because to me, 
what he said to you incredibly manipulative i thought we agreed that i was a victim too yeah we, we nobody's doubting that but it was my house my apartment like if i was in someone's house and this went down if i couldn't afford to pay them back i would have cleaned the house uh, spotlessly I would have had an honest conversation about what, what really happened instead of leaving it in a shambles and equivocating why what he did, he doesn't actually have any responsibility for it. To me, that's just him saying, I don't really respect you. I respect myself and my victimhood. I have one other thing to say. Yeah. Let's say that what he said to you is 100% true. It isn't. I know, but I'm just saying, sure. let's say, let's say that he was laying there. Someone came Two, and, two lithe, beautiful Frenchmen came in and happened to... <laughs> and they, they robbed the place. And he, was, he said he was there when it happened? He was not there. He, he was, said he was not there. He was out at Friends. And actually... But it, it was his fault that he left the window open. It was his fault that he left the window open. And then another weird part of the story is that he was with Friends and one of them, their shower wasn't working. So he said, oh, you can go to the apartment I'm staying at and shower and so it was oh my god random person went to my apartment and i don't know for some reason they were facetiming and he's like wait turn the camera around and he saw that the apartment was in shambles so that was another thing i was like <laughs> I'm, sure this, I'm sure this person is perfectly trustworthy but i don't know that <laughs> no, 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 no. wait Zoe. he's saying been there too He's saying from a FaceTime, Zoe. He saw that the apartment, like he, Zoe. all he saw was his friend's face. No, okay, I'm Zoe. sorry. His his thing is such a lie, and I think you need to confront him on his Zoe, lie. Zoe, 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 Zoe. You're you're in France. You're clearly smart. You got to know you're being lied to. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson, the Safdie uh, Brothers film? No, I'm a good that movie. It, it's a great movie. You should watch it tonight if you still have um, a streaming device <laughs> at your house. <laughs> it's about this drug addict criminal guy that just like has come everything that he's ever confronted with. He, he's like, I guess the point of the movie is that this guy's like probably got like a three, 300 IQ, but he uses it only to like further his like desire for crack and criminality. And so he's like, every time something horrifying happens, he uses this big brain of his to come up with some insane kind of like get out of this situation. This is what I'm feeling from your friend. It's just like, oh, my friend was there taking a shower. I told him to come on by. And then he FaceTime me. It's just like hogwash, like pure. He doesn't know your house well enough to have been able to see that it was in shambles. I mean, this is just like you're being he lied to. And what he did is he tr and, and you can't confront him with demanding the truth, but you can say, I, I don't feel comfortable. And I feel like I, if we're going to be friends, I feel like I'm kind of being taken advantage of. You could even say, I would even go a step your further. Story, I mean, I don't, and even say, I don't want to get into the details of the story. I would he's even, just going to keep saying, I would even a go a step further. And I would say, I don't feel like you're being fully honest with me about what really happened. There's but, something, there's something here that doesn't feel right. And I don't and, want to get into the details. And I not, I'm not interested in the details because I think Natasha's right. Like you aren't ever getting any of your money back, but you, what you, I think, I think that's probably You can true. protect yourself against a bad person. Though. Yes, I think that's right. And I don't even know if he's a bad person, but, but this just is, someone who's, you don't want in your life because they're going to like, they're a liability. This is drug lies. That's, that's how strongly how this is feeling to me. This is drug lies. <laughs> That's how that's that's the vibe I'm getting right but now. But listen, we don't this is all speculation, Moshe. The important thing is Oh yeah, we're going to get a cease and desist from one of the the ball, ballet dancers at the Marseille <laughs> Ballet. No, here's the thing. You just you can't help it but that's how you feel. You feel like you've been taken advantage of and I don't want to get into the details of it, but I just want you to know um 
I, you know, I, I felt, I, I just felt taken advantage of. And as a friend, it's important. I mean, this is a hard conversation. I don't know if I could have it, but I mean, I would probably not have someone like this in my life because. But if you, but if you want this person in your life, cause you say he's, you know, and he a, might be a great dancer and like sometimes that kind of stuff too, like colleagues and you guys laugh and I'm sure, but he's just not a house guest guest, not to be trusted with stuff. You don't give him money. You know, there's like, unless like he changes or he's like, yeah, I don't what know. What do they say about trust? They say the trust bucket fills up a drop at a time, but it only takes one kick to knock the whole thing over. I think he's kicked the bucket and now it's like, if you want this guy in your life, He's got to prove to you that he can be a trustworthy friend before you let him within arm's length of anything like trustworthy. I think. I think. If I had a sex party at my friend's house and I kind of got robbed and everything, like I would hire a cleaner still and yeah. get a bottle of wine. And totally. you know, you're like, you're paying the electric. You're, I mean, people in general, when you're a guest in someone's house, you should always leave it. I mean, unless you're Airbnb and you're you're like paying for a maid, but you should always leave it like in a in a really you know it's like. But some people weren't raised in a good way. You should. That's the funny part to me of this whole story is that you had thousands of dollars worth of stuff taken. You had your your living space violated and a friend uh, break your trust. And and but, drugs. I'm sorry, just those pills. That's not something that a robber would take. Like I'm sorry. Mushrooms. Well, they wouldn't know. Like, you know what I mean? That's something right. like someone who's living in there kind of has already like scoured your house right. when you're How do gone. They know the mushrooms are there? He's but, like looking but, through your shit. But what I was going to say is, you know, you had thousands of dollars worth of stuff taken. Your 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 living space violated. A friend breaking your trust. And tr- but truly, to me, the the most damning detail of this whole thing is that he didn't clean up your house. Honestly, that's the part where I go, I go. This is an irredeemable situation because. People do have terrible nights and people do make gigantic and colossal mistakes in judgment. Uh, But the part where he walked away from it and just said, well, she'll deal with it when she gets here is like a cherry on top of disrespect and uh, and devaluing you that I feel like is a little bit in the unforgivable category. And yeah, and I do think you should say something if you want to. And I also think saying something could help you practice boundaries in your life because you're lucky you're not fucking this guy. You know, like you want to start establishing ways of not being taken advantage of because you know when it really matters when you're emotionally involved and you can't walk away and something like this is happening it can be really so it could be much harder so yeah that's that's my advice to say something and uh any any last words zoe yeah i think since i had messaged him the first time and i kind of said why i was why i was upset and then to have his response which wasn't really what i was looking for I guess that was my question and you guys have clarified it in a sense is how do I want him to be in my life going forward? And it's true. I do need to either take my time and eventually rebuild, but, but no house guest that, that is like off the table. Never again. And I guess to know, you know, it's one thing if someone is a little bit haphazard and careless as a character trait and you can laugh about it, but once it affects your personal life and your belongings and your stuff, it just takes it a bit too far. So I guess I You can say that to him. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> it's I mean, truly, truly imagine you're in this situation and you make some mistakes that create a terrible hazard and your response to that person saying I'm really hurt is, but I was hurt. I mean, that's just like, you're in the zone of like profound selfishness and that's to me not what a friend is. A friend is something else. 
Right. And I imagine myself in the inverse. If I had been the one that left the window open, which it can happen, you know, it was a stupid. He didn't leave thing. the window open. <laughs> he didn't leave the window open. It's okay. But she's, you know, she's got to, yeah. you know, I would, I would have been the first one to offer. I'll, re- you know, I'll replace whatever was broken or what have you. So I guess I'm undecided whether or not I will ask for any retribution, but, um, Honey, you're not going to get it. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Maybe there is some spiritual work to say, yes, I would like you to pay me if, if, you, w- if you will, just so that you can hold him accountable for when he doesn't. But, <laughs> uh, but, but more to the point, I think you're right. Like just your own dignity would require a, at least a step back. Mm. Okay. Thank I you. I think it's time to pirouette away from him. <laughs> A plie away. All right, Zoe. Well, you're so cute. You're such a good friend. You're very generous. That's why I was saying the thing about practicing these boundaries because you are very generous. I do have a bright side. And so you don't want to be taken advantage of. I do have a bright side here. I feel like everybody in their life, and it's happened to me, and it's happened to you, Natasha, has to go through getting like profoundly taken advantage of once or twice in their life so that they can go mm-hmm. so they can smell this kind of stuff in the future it's definitely happened to me it happened to you when you went to australia yeah if, you, it, if you didn't know what it's like how would you you know you're you grew up in a good way and you're trusting of people and then why would it you? shouldn't make you hard and go i don't trust anyone but it definitely i would say that my experiences of being robbed and taken advantage of and hustled in the past made me go in the in the future oh i know how to see these warning signs and stuff and thank god you're safe and like you aren't like fully destitute and you can go okay well that's an experience i have and now next time somebody is like that in my life i'll I'll be able to see these warning signs first so i think that's good definitely i'm definitely on edge these days so i bet you are how could you not be (laughs) right all right honey well good luck and we want to come see you dance in marseille that sounds cool yeah come on over do a show here Oh, yeah, I'm sure it would be. I would love to bomb in France. Yeah, we would love, yeah, it's not the first time someone's bombed in Marseille, actually. World War One. something I'll I have direct experience with. You guys. Sounds good. All right, thank you, Zoe. Good luck. We're Bye, sorry honey. that happened to you. Have a good Bye-bye. Time. You too. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh? Your shape is looking shapely. What's going on with your shape, curves, and breasts? Uh, well, I've been thinking about them. I finally started wearing a bra. I love it. Because I was sent one by... Honey love. Do you like it? And now it's the only bra I want to wear. It's even better than the ones you weren't wearing before? (laughs) Well, I remember Honey Love bras are making me remember why I didn't want to wear bras and what was wrong, and they seem to have addressed many of the issues. Yeah, because, like, aren't bras super uncomfortable? Bras are very uncomfortable, and Honey Love is made with fabric that's so soft it feels like a second skin. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. It is so next level comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing it. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash honeymoon. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash honeymoon. That was so funny when she said he used the fish fryer. It was just such <laughs> clearly not the truth. Uh, are we serious right now? Our next caller? Are we doing... Uh, Oh, we're doing secret. Okay. Are you serious right now? Our next call. This is like a truly international um, episode. What? Where is he from? This is Mar calling from. Okay. This one's going to be way harder than Marseille. Queritaro, Mexico? Queritaro. 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 I think that's good. Queritaro. Queritaro, Mexico. All right. Let's talk to Mar in Queritaro. Queritaro. 
All right, put him or her through. And let's find out how good we did on this this town. Hey. Mar. Hey, Mar. Okay, hey, Mar, we, got, we have a question. Okay. Queritaro? Uh-huh. Is that right? Queritaro. Uh-huh. Oh, my God, we did it again. We're Yay. so good. Oh, we are not like the other whites. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, I, I'm actually surprised. I thought you were going to go queritaro or something. Queritaro. Queritaro. Uh-huh. Queritaro. How's uh, it going over there? Yeah, how is it? Where oh. are you? Where is it? I'm at my office right now. Where is Queritaro? A, um, it's uh like three hours away from Mexico City. Got it. All yeah. right. Is it beautiful? It is. I actually really like it. Oh man, I want to go to Mexico and France. Your your uh, office looks cool. It is. It is. It is. It's a really cool spot. I work. Um, I work in a brewery that's inside of one of the oldest. Um factories in mexico unreal our first caller was from marseille and she was a dancer for the something there and now you're from like a beautiful town near mexico city it's like we're doing vacation planning right now this is very exciting yeah Yeah, laura told me that the first caller was from europe and i was like oh they're going international yeah this is a good good episode so how can we help you mar Okay, so here's the thing. I've been with my boyfriend for a year now, and um, basically, like the 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 biggest issue is that I feel like we've had no like actual like emotional intimacy, like nothing, um, like nothing other than him saying "I love you" or "You're so pretty" or you know, like very basic shit. Honestly, like I, I'm like um. There's no it's not specific. Actions. Yeah, no actions or no words that have like really um let me know like what makes me special to him or what you know like I feel like sometimes like I'm just like the girlfriend, you know? And you know, he clearly really likes to spend time with me. He has been like um making an effort to be like a little bit more romantic. It's especially that, you know, I feel like we're we're sort of missing the romantic side of things and i feel like he's uh like sometimes i'm just like a glorified friend you know <laughs> how how do you have questions oh probably the same thing as you were gonna ask how old oh i was gonna say how how often do you fuck <laughs> oh that's a different question <laughs> okay how old how I'm old 26. is he and how old are you uh-huh. i'm 26 and he's 34 okay not as and... young as i would have wanted with this situation <laughs> Yeah, and how often do we fuck? We fuck like twice a week, man. Um, you want more? Yeah, yeah, and I've told him that, and he has like made a little bit of an effort, but you know, like but, but I'm not, I don't want to. I don't. I'm not sure. But, but you don't. It's, it's, it's about that. But no, yes. no. I, well, we can cut that out if you want. If you want, no, let us know. No, let no, Laura no, know. We, we can cut it out. We don't really no. need to cut anything out. So, just I, but I, I, I understand what you're saying is that the real thing that's missing is the romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, more, and the intimacy, more, more yeah. Because yeah, yeah, it's that, and it's it's very um, it's very. It feels stagnant. A little bit, and you know, it's just it's it's. I feel like I'm 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 especially confused because I've had like a really shitty dating history, like really shitty guys. So so it's like you know he's 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 not doing anything technically wrong. You know he's he's like he treating seems, me well he, and stuff like that, but. Um, but I, I, I want There's more. There's something like, missing. 
yeah. something's missing. And and he seems decent, but he doesn't seem like like he's giving you the love that you feel like you deserve, the lovingness that you feel yeah. like you deserve. I was I not this is not to make a, an uh, excuse for men, but just to explain I feel men. I wish he was a little younger, that I didn't want him to be 34 because this would have bolstered my point even more. But there is a certain like I'm not. This guy might be, you know, having a secret girlfriend, and and there's something wrong. I don't know, but I'm gonna assume he's a decent guy, and that that for men, for a lot of men, being um, intimate and romantic can be equated with the way we were raised with being like soft or uh, or be or or like sort of um, weak, you know. And so it's not like a comfort. It's not a comfort zone for a lot of men to be able to give. Uh, lovingness in the way that people would want to be loved because then they don't they just it's like uncomfortable and so they they think hey i said you were hot and i i take you out on dates you know what more do you want i'm proving it to you by that you know and you're sitting there going no i'm telling you like i want to be i want to be cherished and i want to be told that i'm beautiful and i want to be taken out on nice dates and blah 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 and so prioritized and yeah i just think there's a part of it where Natasha always, I mean, I hate this idea, but Natasha always talks about like, you have to kind of like train, train them. I think there's a possibility that like this guy, even though he is 34 and should probably know better at this point, he needs to be taught a little bit. Like if he, if, assuming he's decent, assuming he really, there isn't anything that you're missing, then maybe he just needs to be taught how to be a romantic man and how to enjoy that and not feel like he's being, you know, week or something well i think that have you ever talked to him about what he wants because it seems like he's not really courting you he's your guys don't feel like you're moving towards something maybe that's what you want and have you have you ever asked him like does he want to get married does he want kids it's so weird man it's so fucking weird because it's um i have tried to talk to him but like it feels like I'm not saying it the right way or not saying the right words because, you know, he's he he always gets kind of pissed off when I tell him, you know, I want this or this. He he tells me that he doesn't like the way I say it, and then I ask him, okay, like teach me, you know, how how do I talk to you? How how do you want me to talk to you? How do you want me to love you better? How? And he he like he goes blank, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's like an emotional like. Um, constipation kind of thing but you know you just want him to shit all over you (laughs) yeah I get that I get that emotionally shit all over me okay (laughs) I have a question actually yes Uh, do you have any thoughts on this does he want kids um no and I don't either oh what about marriage are you interested in that or not so much um I'm I I mean I could get married I'm you know how Natasha said she was a situational breeder mm-hmm. I, I would probably be a situational wife right 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 if the right situation <laughs> presents I, itself I think you the, would be open to it yeah I think what Natasha is saying is not yeah. necessarily correct me if I'm wrong you should be going towards kids and marriage but rather you should have something that you are going toward that will make you it doesn't have to be marriage or the traditional stuff but something that it doesn't feel like oh we're just bros hanging out and having sex once in a while like we're moving in some direction towards something i have a question oh wait can i ask something really quick yeah does he high five you after sex <laughs> no okay no, good God, i was no. just checking i mean you'd be into that i have a question <laughs> i see your septum ring and your hair dye do you do, do you do drugs what 
Yeah. Okay. What What about him? Yeah. Yeah. What we ab- have actually we we have pretty um compatible lifestyle. Okay. What actually. about That's this? Like one of the things I like about him. What about this? I was asking just to make sure you weren't like straight edge or anything. What about is there any is it in, intriguing at all to do like a guided sort of like an MDMA kind of thing with a with somebody you know like that's a thing where his defenses will come down like i'm not advocating drug use just in case you guys have a horrible uh, experience and go to the hospital uh, but i'm just saying let me just say theoretically mdma with a practitioner there can allow couples that are in an in intimate situation but have a difficult time being honest with each other about what they want and uh what they what they need from each other it can allow them to move past some of those barriers and have like an intimate experience kind of created in real time for them that might be something kind of interesting that you guys could do together i'm sure there's somebody in mexico city the biggest city in the world that does these kinds of guided trips and that, i don't know that, that what do you think of that tosh i like the idea but i also want to say you're gorgeous mm-hmm. and <laughs> Thank you. he seems slightly um, like he's shutting, shutting down emotionally, yeah. which isn't uh, going to change. So that's the kind of person he is unless he challenges himself and tries to get better and make some efforts. But you, your guys in the past have been such losers that you're like, oh, well, this, this guy's better than the biggest loser I've ever dated. So I guess I have to deal with this, you know, but I think you need to challenge him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if he keeps dropping the ball and having his emotional, you know, uh, like freezing and he won't (laughs) talk to you and he's like, I don't like how you're talking to me and regressing and you know, if that just keeps up, maybe you will move on. And you also work in a bar where you can meet people. This, so I don't know. I just feel like this reminds me of something I've been thinking about lately. And well, I oh, and d- date nights, like you know, like something that you want to do, like plan something together, maybe a vacation, like, and then mm-hmm. talk to him and say, like, I want to feel special. I want let's go out once a you know. You should bring me flowers sometimes, or whatever the thing is that you want. You I know, d- I can say that we. I don't do- want to feel like we're just bros. Again. We do know from our own experience with couples counseling because we've been um, what the format of how to ask for what you want works right i don't know how you're talking to this guy the sandwich like the, the sandwich thing you know where you say something nice and then the thing you want to say and then you end with something nice sure I well that. wait that's well, called the sandwich i've never heard of the sandwich i wasn't <laughs> well, going to say sandwich we call it. Here I, we call it I thought you called rule. you don't call it the torta rule the sa- but anyway <laughs> come on guys let's have some mexican fun now no but what i was going to say is that's like manipulation kind no, of i like i like manipulation well i was going to say I, I statements it's it's rudimentary but and i don't know how you're talking and maybe you're doing it correctly and and he's just super sensitive but i do know that the way that it feels best to hear feedback is not you don't treat me romantically enough but i need to be treated romantically to feel special uh, not you never take me anywhere but i really need to go on a vacation with you at least you know once every three months uh, not, list three things sure not, you know like because you can't he doesn't know what he might not know what romance is not you, know? you never take me out but i need to go out on date nights once a week just to feel loved it has nothing to do with you it's what i need that and if he can't accept those kind of i statements then you're in a situation where you're kind of like oh he's not capable of, of of having this conversation period right so i think that's important the i statement thing is really important and i i'd put him on notice if he can't give you what you want because sometimes guys like need to they, he, you know, he's he's like complacent a little bit, 
And what do you mean by putting by put on notice? Like I'm saying, like, let's say in six months you've said this, he still hasn't changed, mm-hmm. you know, but he's not bad. Maybe you can say like, listen, I don't really feel like I'm getting what I want and I like you, I like hanging out with you, but, you know, I just want you to know that maybe I, I might start dating other people. I, I don't know. It's just, that's just a, an idea, but I, but, but I, but I think, yeah, because is he going to fight for you or is he just going to lay on the couch and like watch, do whatever he would be doing except to have like a warm body oh. who's bringing him chips. This is what I have been thinking about lately. And I think guys do this maybe more than women, but I think women do this too. A thing will happen where there's an issue and then you approach the issue and then the argument, the person uh, who's, who's, being approached will pivot the argument to the form in which the issue was raised i've done this I'm, i've been guilty of this but uh, what's an example what's she saying she's saying very clearly i need more love and attention and then he will take that pivot it to i hate the way you ask for love and attention and then you're there begging forgiveness my friend was just going through yeah, this yeah, you're there begging happened? for you want forgiveness for the form in which you delivered your request and now the request itself is being completely ignored, which was the actual issue. The actual issue is you don't feel like this kind of like romantic. This does sound love. like something you've done to me. <laughs> well, it sounds like something you've done to me too. But anyway, that, that's that. that it gives me, honestly gives me a little hope to know that you guys have been through that. Oh, a hundred percent. But you have to ask for what you want or else what are you doing? But, Settling. But, but, but it's a manipulation technique actually. And it, it is one that I have, that I have been guilty of. I can admit, I can admit that, but because you get to then ignore the, the thing that's being requested in or because of the form in which it was requested. Now request, if the form is accusatory, it is a problem and it's difficult for the person to access what you're asking because they're feeling like they're being accused of not being romantic or, or, or being a slob just to, to not a, being enough, not being enough. So now I've given you the form. I don't mean to be too like I know everything, but now I've given you the form, which is he I does. statements. You know, I need this for me to feel loved. That's the form. If he will not respond to that form, now you know the problem is not actually the way you're requesting it, and it is not, in fact, you. It's, in fact, his ability to engage with what you're asking for. And grow and change together because that's really, you know, I think that's a desire that some people have that hopefully most people have in a relationship. You know, I want mm-hmm. to be able to grow with someone mm-hmm. and have an emotional connection. And you can even say that to him. And so you're, you can say, I'm not saying I want to get married. You know, I would, but you know, I just, I really like spending time with you, but I want to feel like, uh, you know, I'm your girl and like, you're treating me special. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I would say yeah. manipulation wise is I would say, I just in the past when I've had boyfriends, but he might know you've had bad ones. You could be like, yeah. you know, they yeah. always like would take me out to dinner and I was just used so to just being treated. <laughs> That's a great suggestion. I just, I'm just used to being treated in a, great, in a different way. But how about instead of <laughs> lying and manipulating, you say what's true, which is I uh, and you stick to yourself. I need more. I need to feel like I'm loved. I need to be taken out. I need to be taken on vacations. I need to go to find the MDMA uh, um, uh, therapist in Mexico City that can take us through a guided. T- I need these things to feel loved. It's, it's not. I know that for you, you're you, this. You probably love what's going on, and I'm not. I, I, I love it too. But what I need a little more. If you really like someone, you have to give it a shot. Like nobody comes to a relationship fully baked. I know I didn't with you, and I know that it. And you still got some cooking to do, honey. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Uh, but but nobody comes to a relationship fully baked, and if you and relationships are not supposed to be easy, so you have to give it a little bit of a trial. 
you have to try a few times to see if in fact it's irredeemable or there is progress mm-hmm. that's what i think yeah yeah i agree and, and that's that was kind of um part of um you know the the, the doubt i had was whether you know a one year is like enough trying or if i should just like has he said i love you yeah Okay. I think the time is not as important as the method. That's what I think. Yeah, anybody can be lazy for a year. I mean, clearly it's comfortable for him to give you a fist bump and say, what's up? You're my girl. And then go like hang (laughs) with the bros and have a beer. Like, Do do you guys live together? No. Okay, I would recommend when you have this talk, maybe I'm wrong, but I've done this before and it's been really effective, is writing out everything I want to say. That's nice. And talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Because then you can like look at your notes and make sure that you really like driven home and repeated the points that you want to make. And like, you're not emotional and you're not distracted and like just getting something out and seeing how he responds. I'm not mad at that. That's a pretty good suggestion. If you, if you're the, I'm the kind of person who kind of needs a script because I'm always like saying things in the wrong way. Like you can like re-listen to the podcast and anything that we said or anything you said, you know, just like write it down and repeat, repeat it. I don't know that that's always helped me. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good suggestion. And I also think focusing on the year mark is less important than focusing Mm -hmm. on what you've actually done. What, what you, cause you know, what, what you know for sure is whatever you've done up until this point hasn't netted the results that you want. And so you're trying to figure out if this person is capable of changing in the way that you need to stay with them or not. And so trying something different and seeing if it nets a different result is more important than counting up how many days it's been because everybody's comfortable staying exactly as they are if they're not pushed to change. And and you've called an advice podcast. So yeah, he's not doing anything wrong per se, but something inside of you is so unfulfilled that you're like seeking advice, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in a, in a, you know, like in a, in in a, a clinical th- setting. <laughs> Yeah, in a clinical setting. <laughs> I know we're comedians, but you know, I'm just saying it's like you have to trust how you're feeling. You're obviously not being fulfilled right now. All right. Good luck, Mar. Yeah, you're right. You deserve Thank to feel so loved much, in guys. the way you want to feel loved, but you have to ask for it. You have to make it clear. Thank you guys. So Thanks, much. Dr. Oh, Crane. And you got like a Beyonce thing going on now with the breed, the Mexican breeze. Oh, oh, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, honey. Nice right. dimples. We'll come down when we come visit. So we'll come see you. Okay. All right. Yeah, hopefully. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Well, Natasha. Why do you tell people we're going to go visit them? Because it's a lie that makes them feel good. Okay. Well, listen, if you want us to come visit you, uh, call us and we'll come over. 213-222-8608. Tell us your deep, dark secrets and mm-hmm. we may play them on our podcast. And if you'd like to be on the podcast, you can email us, endlesshoneymoonpod at gmail.com. Or follow us on Instagram and, uh, you know, Join subs- our Patreon. but subscribe to our YouTube channel. Absolutely. Uh, this one's from Eric Cutie. We'll miss you, girl. Aww. We love you. We love you. And I love you. I love you too.